Let the games begin. By taking some time out of our daily lives to sit down and have a little chat. Chit chat. Yeah, chit chat, thank you. Conversation must be stimulating. Still, you need a set of aesthetic guidelines to put it in social perspective, I think. Maybe what we need here is a fresh perspective. Fresh points of view. Stimulating conversation. I thought it would put things in perspective for you. Let's begin. All right! Awesome. Welcome back to the podcast, episode nine of the Tomorrow People podcast. Uh, excited. Today, we have a great friend of mine. His name is Fred. Uh, he works as a technical recruiter, and he's the founder of the Flourish Factory. And we were going to talk a little bit about tech and uh, kind of its role in, in you know, designing the future, um, and also just some of the, I guess, issues and uh, you know, around diversity, inclusion, and sort of building for the future. So, Fred, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it, Sergey. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here, man. I feel like a lot of our conversations have always gone into some different arenas, right? I think that since the beginning, like, we've always had great conversations, so it's good to jump in it with you and Peter and just kind of get after it. And I think um, the name of the podcast is just is dope, right? Tomorrow's People. And I think as we look at, like, what's happening, I think it's cool to look, figure out, see some of the people and what they think about it. Um, and also the people that are doing the work, you know, so, so it's cool to be here. Of course, man. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's, I mean, the reason, I mean, I think all our conversations always, whenever we had that chunk of time to just kind of explore, um, it's crazy to think this was, was like back, I think in last time I saw you in person was, uh, like around Halloween. Um, but, uh, you know, just, we had that time, we went for a walk and just, you know, I think it was, it was just such a good conversation that, um, you know, you just know those people that you have those conversations with, you want to mm-hmm. kind of, um, I don't know, capture that in some way. And I think like, that's, that's why part of the drive, I think for the tomorrow people for me and probably for the flourish factory for you is like kind of, you know, having, having a way to kind of gather them and sort of exchange ideas and, and, uh, you know, see where, see what happens when you put the minds together. Yeah. 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 I think it's it's community. Right. And so we're able to like build out that community. Um, and the community is like pushing things forward. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's what we all want. Right. And so that, that's kind of kind of funny where like it, that would parlays to the Flourish Factory. Um, a lot of so the thing the word about Flourish is like and like why it's so important and it's a mantra for me is because it's about like healthy growth. Right. Um, and and so when you look at like, hey, like building a community that's thriving, that's flourishing, it's about being healthy. It's about bringing these new ideas, innovation. Um, right. Something that's healthy is like it's you can see it. Right. You can feel it. It's, it's, it's malleable, you know. So just kind of like as you at your podcast is that right. I think your podcast is flourishing because you're you're bringing out these new ideas, how all these great people have a platform. And so um, I, I believe that if you do that in your life, like, it, Yeah. It, it, if you apply that same process to the way that you think, I think that like think great things can happen, you know? So uh, I'm also just learning about the Flourish Factory for the first time. Maybe for those of the listening, could you give us a little brief uh, overview about it? Absolutely. So um, Flourish Factory has really been a, a great labor of love for me right now. Um and, and short, long story short, what the Flourish Factory is, it's an e-commerce platform for black and brown founders, right? So on both black and Latinx people that have product base, that have products that they sell online, um, whether it be merchandise, candles, beauty supplies, um, it's a marketplace for them to sell those things. Um, it's, uh, hello? Oh, yeah, no, awesome. Yeah. And so I guess when did, because uh, uh, I know we've talked about this for a few years now, when did it actually get started? 
So the thing is, it, it was born out of a company that I had already started, right? So I started, um, I started off in Boston um, and I was working on the, for the culture and for the culture media was like, I wanted to write this blog where we could have a lot of people, both, um, both black and Latinx can write onto this page and we can kind of get our ideas out. This is back when like Trump is full effect. So it's like fake news is going crazy. So I was like, Hey, like we need the space where we can also get our ideas on our own platform. So I kind of built that out and it was cool because I, we built a super cool following. Um, our, like we built a, a social following that was very interesting. Like people were actually seeing us as the news where we were. Right. And so it became like this like platform that I was able to like help people on. And at the same time, we we're having dynamic events to kind of like bring different speakers and and also we did fundraisers so i created this platform and this essence and i was like okay like i just don't know enough about it i didn't know enough about tech i didn't know anything about like um right like really how to run a web page um so it was just kind of like okay i want to jump into tech so like but i still have this urge and this energy to like really build something that would for people that look like me with people that look like me you know, um, and so but I didn't know how to lead that. Um, and then I was trying to get my MBA because I was like, OK, maybe I should switch roles and um, and like really learn this stuff. And then we were doing case studies on on tech. So I was like, OK, this is the future. And I have this idea um, that I want to build something um, for people that look like me um, with people that look like me. And tech makes sense. So made the jump to San Francisco. Um, what ended up happening with for the culture was interesting thing about like kind of entrepreneurship, um, like kind of like several things. My team kind of folded. I didn't really understand how to get to profitability. I didn't really understand the idea that I had. It wasn't fully, I didn't have a fully baked out product. So I kind of floundered a lot. Um, and then, but I still had that urge on my heart. And then, um, what happened was I kind of gave some space. I kind of just dove into my work. I still had a lot of conversations about it. And then as I started to look at these different trends and seeing things, the first faculty came came to mind uh, also because like at the time, the house that I was living in was called the Flourish Factory. And so like our goal at the house was to like build this healthy space for all of us that were just going to jump into tech. Right. So we would always have our friends come. If they were interviewing, we were able to help each other out. It was, it was a place of support. So I was like, hey, if I can create that. And that's like so I realized on one end I had just built the same thing that I was trying to create. But at the same time, I realized. I felt like the world needed that. And so then it was just kind of like, okay, how do we bake this idea into something that can be profitable that also have impact? That's awesome. So um, is it, are the like long-term dreams and hopes to be something kind of like Amazon or is it something completely different? Yeah. So I think um, that's a great question, man. That is a great question. I think the goal is, I think the, the initial goal right now is to help um, facilitate a million dollars worth of transactions, Right. Um, for black and brown brands. So so that's the initial goal. And that's where I'm kind of keeping it right now is like, hey, like I want to I want to see if we can reach this this earmark here. If we can we end up to be an Amazon? Yes, I believe the market can grow. And I think that the numbers are showing that. Right. Because um, Amazon's business in terms of just like selling products online is decreasing. Right. It's gone down. 10% for the last two to three years, right? Well, well, places like Shopify and Etsy, they're actually increasing, right? So the individual seller is actually growing in that aspect, right? So could it be a space that gets to an Amazon? Yes. Will it look like an Amazon? No, right? And also I think that like the type of buyers um, or the people that are going to purchase or we're going to be working with or our customer base, um, they're going to look a lot different and it's going to feel a lot different because it's more of like a Amazon just feels like this big, machine, right? And something that we have to build or things that actually appeal to our customer base is going to be things that you can feel that are that are original, that are organic. So 
Cool. How many people are you uh, partnering with currently? So right now, um, honestly, we're at the beta stage right now. So I have probably like 10 to 15 partners that are getting together. And it's kind of an interesting labor of love because now I'm learning kind of like what my actual stakeholders will be, right? And like, what do the partnerships look like? I'm realizing what, what they need from me. And how do I provide that service so that we can get an end off product to our customers? Like um, just fully jumping into like how to build a marketplace, right? And understanding supply and demand and and also understanding like how do you cater to your vendors? Um, so it's been interesting le- lessons that I'm learning right now too. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like uh, it's one of those chicken and the egg problems, right? Like I'm joining my marketplace. We're new. And then they're like, oh, you know, why join a new marketplace? And it's like, because we were going to represent this, everything X, Y, Z. And then you do get people on, you know, you have items for sale. And then the, the next part is, right, getting people to hear about it and to purchase, right, through your through your marketplace. And like the more people that go to your marketplace, the easier it will be to get, you know, products listed. But that initial beginning seems, you know, like which one comes first, right? Do you get the customers or do you get the product, right? Like, mm-hmm. So, so, so I, so about that, that was the issue I had probably two and a half months ago. I was like stuck there, right? I'm just sitting at my desk all day, just wondering that. Now let's do a couple podcasts. And then, and then I was like, you know what? I just should be listening to what it's not. I think part of life, you have to realize that you're not the only person doing this, right? So it's like, this has been done before. So, so I think they're like having a learner's mindset, right? It's something that we always hear, but like in this situation, I had to use that. And so I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to learn. So I listened to podcasts on Etsy. Right. And um, I was to a podcast on Etsy and it was actually by, I believe, one of the co-founders. She was the one that set up another social network that everything else is based out of. I forget what she made. I think it was like Pick Me or something like that. Um, but what she was talking about was like in the early days of marketplaces, the vendors support each other. OK. Right? And so it, the way that it works is like, hey, like the early days of Etsy, it was like the the makers that were just supporting each other. And so you build something for them to like really create a community in of constant buying into marketplace, right? You think about like an old school market, they used to trade oranges for, for making sure that their shirts could be um, sold. Right. So it's just like all these different things that you can trade well, with the marketplace. You know, it's, it's also like a reason all the fruit sellers are next to each other. Cause if there's just one, you're like, Oh, I don't need oranges today. But if you put all the fruit together, you're like, Oh, well, you know, I'll get bananas and hey, those oranges do look pretty good. So I'll pick those up too. Yeah, exactly. Same, same, same concept. So it was just interesting to learn that. And so um, just learning that process and also learning how to give good customer service um, has been part of the process because you have to kind of in the beginning, it's just you kind of doing it. Um, and so it's just it's just been a great learning process. Right. But it, as an entrepreneur, um, and I think that just people that are just look, continuing to grow, it stretches you, as you guys can imagine, as you guys have probably done in your own lives, where when you take on a new responsibility, you have to rise to that occasion. You've got to answer the call, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Would you mind maybe going into a little bit more of, you know, for anyone listening, like how you get from that stuck part past that and like maybe some of the takeaways from the other podcast or things that you've you've incorporated that you found that have worked and maybe some that you haven't? Um, I think getting, so in terms of like being stuck um, when you're in, when you're in thought of trying to pursue something, is that what you're asking? Oh, you just said two months ago you were in that yeah. chicken and egg situation and now it sounded like you've gotten past that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, you can't dwell on it that long, right? Like you're going to have to make a decision. Like sometimes there's analysis paralysis, 
Right. So um, one of the things that I, I may be wrong. Right. But I know that, like, I, I had to sit back and look at enough data points um, uh, and or had enough something that like, hey, this goes well with my gut and I can validate that. And also um, one of my big things is seeking counsel. Right. Um, I think that like you can't do things alone. Ken Robinson said that one time, like all great things are done in teams. And so um, or like when you go to like Napoleon Hill, when he talks about your mastermind group. Right. So it's like sometimes you got to take it to them. Like the decision is really right. You got to you got to take it to the people around you that are knowledgeable in those things. Um, and then once you're able to kind of have that conversation, then you make that decision. Um, so so I think that like being stuck is it comes to a space of like maybe there's ego there. Right. Um, um, and a good friend once told me, wake up every day and slay your ego, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I didn't get that. But now I get it, especially in pursuit of things, because you're not going to be right. But like, will you are you going to do the work to figure out what's right? And then at the same time, like, does that go along with your values? You know, um, so, yeah, so that's kind of like my process is like, hey, like if I can't figure it out, I'm going to research it. And then past that, I'm going to like go to knowledgeable people that I trust um, and then put it to a final decision. And you can't wait, you know. How would you guys approach that if you guys are kind of stuck in a space trying to make another decision, and whether it be life, whether it be work, how, how do you guys come to that approach? What's your approach? Uh, I like a I like doing small exper- experiments that can validate a larger idea. So, you know, uh, if if this was a problem I was trying to tackle, maybe to get like I'd try a few different ways of getting like the word out about a particular site, right? Maybe I I try some, uh, like a Facebook campaign or some sort of social media thing. You know, maybe you pay some sort of influencer to do a TikTok or something like that. Um, you know, or just regular email marketing. And I think by taking like smaller experiments there, you're not betting the farm on any, any one thing. Mm. Uh, then you can say like, Oh, this, this one really had a, had like a positive effect on what we were looking for so sure yeah i like the idea of like breaking stuff down to kind of smaller and smaller problems right Mm -hmm. because if otherwise if the problem's too big to kind of get a handle on it's you know you got to find a way to divvy it up into like okay this part like step one step two step three and then if step one is too big then you know step a b c right yeah it gets to a point where where it's solvable um yeah i think it's but yeah, I mean, to the point of like chicken and the egg, I think there's there's an element of like, you know, say I, I, I was struggling with the same thing with like the tomorrow people. Uh, where do I get started? Like what, you know, do I get the word out? Do I, you know, make a video about it or whatever first? And sometimes you just got to, you know, get the ball rolling. Yeah. Um, I think like how much of the because, you know, we work together. I mean, how much of working at a in a small startup environment do you think that experience kind of helped shape your um I guess your, I guess, ability to maybe succeed. Like, do you think, how valuable were those lessons? I would say they were super valuable, but also I, I can't take away the fact of like also being valuable were like my work that I did at a nonprofit, right? Because mm, yeah. like nonprofits are startups that you don't get paid at. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, you're still working on like really great problems that'll have great impact, but you're just not getting paid as much at all. You're getting like half the pay, right? So then going to a small startup and realizing like, oh, this work is very similar. Um, and then going to like a hyper growth startup was like, oh, okay. Like these are, you're going to have to work hard uh, at a, like at a, 
pretty much anywhere you go, right? If you really want to make an impact or things are moving fast you, or like the feat that you're trying to, um, the mission is good enough that you want to put an effort, it's going to be hard, right? Um, and also at the same time, with more resources, it doesn't mean, at a lot of places, it doesn't mean you're just going to settle. It kind of makes the stakes a little bit higher, right? So now like execution, there's more money on the line, mistakes are more costly. So that kind of changes the way that you look at things too. Sure. I guess maybe that'd be a good kind of segue into the the non-profit uh, part of it. So I guess what was the, what were the um, maybe similarities and differences between you know working on your own project versus working on a non-profit for someone else or, or a different cause that maybe you didn't start but resonated with? I think it's, it's it's a little bit different. I think there's something happening right that everyone wants wants to own things. Um, the thing with the nonprofit is that the mission owns it. Right. So you can't own a nonprofit. So. All right. So at the end of the day, there's a board that's really directing things. Um, even if, like, let's say someone's founded the nonprofit. I mean, if, if it's running effectively, there's a board that oversees a lot of the day to day that kind of has the final decisions on how things work. I think that like that can be an issue to do the type of work that needs to be done, because what you'll find is a lot of the founders aren't really close to the ground. Right. And I, I did a lot of work in terms of like youth work. Right. So, um, in fact, I was voted like a youth worker of the year in like 2016 um, in New England. Um, so it was like understanding that like a lot of the people that were giving the money. Right. Had no idea what like um, black youth, what was actually happening with like like youth of color. Um, on the streets. And so there's a disconnect there because there's a lot of decision making that happens at the top level that then just kind of trickles down. And so if you're working within that system, it becomes tiresome if you're if you really realize what's happening. So most people get burnt out. And then so the impact actually doesn't get to fully play itself out because the average person that works at a nonprofit gets burnt out after like, what, four or five years. And then I kind of like to like ask you a question about that. So I mean, I understand nonprofits. I'm happy they exist and, you know, are doing that work. But personally, I've never been drawn to one just because the missions are typically goals that feel like they, they just simply can't be accomplished. Like you, you'll make progress, but like mm-hmm. for that, for if a nonprofit is doing a really good job, they should, they should fold right after like 10 right that issue should be gone that mission mm-hmm. should be checkmarked and like completed but i feel like i've never heard of that actually taking place like that's why i i, I don't know i just feel like i did like you're saying burnt out or disheartened that like the the task you're working to the, complete like the time frame can just, cannot be yeah. achieved so well i think there's a difference though right so um, when you think about a startup, right? If you want to start a startup, I, le- I actually learned this last night. If you, if you think about a startup, you want to start an idea. It's ten year. It's a ten year commitment, right? It's a ten year commitment. So um, it's what your first, your first like three to four to figure out if it's a good idea, and then if it is, then you go ten years, and maybe you can be acquired or whatever. But typically, it's ten years. When you talk about a nonprofit, they may be working on a hundred year problem, like. Like, you know, I mean, world hunger is like a big issue. Right. And and so it's like it's going to take a lot of time to do that. And so there's going to be a lot of people that come in, they get burnt out. So it's like the that leadership is put into place so it can be long term. But it's like you're definitely not going to see the impact as fast just because of the timing. Um, So I think that's kind of a little bit of an issue is just like you can't see the impact as fast 
the resources aren't coming in as fast as maybe a business, but it's definitely like, hey, it's I would I would always say that they're useful to it, right? Because I think that like the programs that I was working with, I've seen the impact in kids' lives. Like we didn't solve um, in terms of like dropout rates, but like you know what, the couple kids that you can save, it is worth it. You know, mm. okay, it's very personal. So maybe the because like the world hunger thing, or even that. I mean, it just like you can have a big, yeah. I it's because like world hunger, it's like I would not expect that to be solved by a nonprofit. Like I feel like you need mm. you know government programs, private uh, businesses all buying in. Like it, it needs to be a coordinated like thing across the board. Yeah. Um, and That's there's probably point. many nonprofits that are all dedicated towards that as a goal, but it's just like, it just feels like such a, such a, like so many different things going on that that nonprofit would have not a lot of influence over, you know, mm-hmm. the overall problem. Yeah. The overall problem. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. And I think I, I would, I would attest to like, it's gotta be in tandem. I don't think the nonprofit is going to be the only thing that assists that. Right. But I think there is a, there is a purpose there. Um, so I don't want to sound like pretty much, I, I just want to make sure that it's not that not, in my opinion, nonprofits aren't useless, but it's just like the system in terms of trying to solve that problem. It's going to turn people out in terms of what they want to do. Right. Um, but I think that startups do the same thing. Hmm. Well, I mean, I've heard arguments that uh, all nonprofits should have a for-profit portion to them to sustain themselves. Uh, so like there was a really good example. Andre Agassi was, uh, trying to get a, uh, school started out, I think in Nevada. Yeah. Was this Agassi? Andre Agassi. Okay. Uh, former number one tennis player. Um, anyway. And so he raised, I think it was a hundred million dollars. So this school would never have to, like, it didn't have to rely on, um, public funds and, you know, it was, it was going to be good for a ton of time. And he was trying to do the same thing for another school. He wanted to build another one. And what, uh, like one of his financial people came to him and said, it was like, listen, if you turn this into an entity that makes profit, right. Um, and, and still is like very affordable for the people who need it, you will be able to like go on and make a hundred of these. Right. And so his, his thing was like, you can make a charter school and you can charge the, the county, Right. The county is going to pay X amount to get uh, K through 12 educated. And I guess in Nevada, you can you can pick where you want your kid to go. So then that money that the municipality would typically, you know, send to the local school, they change where they send it to. So so instead of it, the school just being free and nothing else, the, the county is still paying to educate, uh, you know, the kid. But the parents, I guess, get to decide where they want to send uh, them. So, so they took, he took that nonprofit idea and changed it into like a for-profit, uh, enterprise while still providing, like achieving the overall goal. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's in theory, that's nice. Um, it's just more difficult for like, cause if, if that was the criteria, then like you could only do it in spaces that are, provide a lot of government assistance for that service. Right. Um, and the, when you look, yeah. So I think that's the issue there is like, and also a lot of the people that are doing the work, it's more of like a heartfelt work. Right. So like, they're just not driven for profit, you know? Um, and then there's the religious aspect of it, right. Where a lot of 
charity work or like a nonprofit work are actually tied into some type of like um, pr- pretty much religious type of ties. Right. So the Catholic the Catholic Church ha- owns a lot of charities and, and benefits and things like that. So it's a very slippery slope on like who where the actually money is actually coming from, you know, to make it for profit. Um, and they don't want to pay taxes, I don't think. <laughs> Simply, just honest. You know? Sure. Uh, you mentioned the disconnect between a lot of the leaders and people on the ground. Have there been any things you've seen that help bridge that gap? Any specific kind of could be anything. Could be a um, you know uh, a sort of tool, or it could be just a habit or process, or kind of uh, you know just just something that was. Um, you know, a community that had like a, a way of bridging that gap really well. Um, I think that has to go from like, um, there has to be consistency in like the services that are happening. Right. But also there has to be someone that's going to carry that message. So like, um, I think when we talk about the nonprofit world or we talk about like a big company, like you kind of need someone that like everyone can kind of come to in terms of like, or see themselves as like, Hey, this is the embodiment of what's happening. Um, I think that with the disconnect comes when like there aren't enough spaces for people or there isn't like a really a platform for everyone to kind of come together and like give their grievances or understand what's happening. Right. Um, and I say that because there are places like the Harlem's, um, the Harlem Center, right, the Harlem's Children's Center, which is like a couple blocks in Harlem where they kind of dedicated to be like, hey, we're going to take care of this community for the next like 25 years. Right. And so this guy, Jeffrey Canada does this. And so like Jeffrey Canada, like does a good job of like making sure that like he's tending to all the stakeholders. Right. So when you're tending to two, two, when he, so then he's able to talk to the people on the ground, but also he's able to have a build a, have an infrastructure that he can also, the stakeholders, the people that are giving the money, they're heard, but they're also understanding what the real problems are. You know, and I think that like, um, when you don't have someone like that or an office or the mindset that like, Hey, like, all the stakeholders have to understand each other because everyone's playing a part. I think that's the biggest issue. And I think that's an organization issue. I think that's happening in America right now a little bit, you know, right. I think that like America's aging out. Right. And, um, and like, it's getting younger. And so I think that like, that is kind of what the struggle is right now. There's a lot of friction on like the millennials and like baby boomers and Gen X is kind of sitting in the middle. Like, I don't know what's happening, you know? (laughs) So um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, to really make progress, you do need buy-in from, you know, uh, you need a consensus of the area that you're, or the the portion that you're pursuing the help. So, yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I get why there's that tension between sort of the top down people giving the money, or it could be in just people who are quote unquote experts um, versus the people who are on the ground kind of experiencing things. And I don't think there's a general rule to say like one's better than the others. Cause you, sometimes you need that captain of the ship who just has the, you know, the, the long-term plan, the grand vision to kind of say, this is what we need to do despite the pushback from, you know, people on the ground because they know that that's what's best. But then again, that can also become unhinged and un- unmoored and you don't see what's actually going on. So there's just a completely warped sense of reality. So, so you if, if yeah, I can tell you real quick, sorry. so both yeah. you guys engineers, right? There needs sure. to be a feedback loop. Yep. <laughs> right? Like in tech, you're supposed to get a feedback loop. But how come in nonprofits that feedback loop is like just not there, you know? 
Well, and that. Well, you so, tell us. Actually, I'm curious why. No, I, I I think that because then people come in with that with the type of hardware, like you said, like I'm an expert in this. Sure. Like, you know, I'm an expert PhD in like so, child psychology, so I know, you know. And then it's just like there's like there has to be a feedback loop because it's a service, it's a product, you know. Right. So, like, I mean, in tech or businesses, relationships, right? Like, I think most things exist because they're they're cobiotic, like, you know, they're, there's, they're coexisting, they're helping each other, right? Like symbiotic, symbiotic, like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're sending like in tech, right? You send a response, you send a a request, like a JSON request, right? You're looking for that response back, like instant feedback, right? Sure. Um, And then in, and I'm not sure, but in a nonprofit, right, it's disconnected because you know, you, you're getting money from the people who you're probably not helping, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's like a one-way street, right? I mean, maybe eventually the people you help end up being the people that give you money, but that's like, you know, probably a 40-year like play. Um, sure. And so the feedback loop is delayed 40 years, yeah. right? And the mission could have totally changed if I'm the nonprofit in those 40 years. So, so I would say the feedback loop isn't just money, monetary, right? It's like if you're – a lot of people donate to nonprofits because they care, right? You care about like, hey, like I care about this cause, right? Like when you go to the – it's like when you go to Wendy's, it's like, hey, they tell you like, do you want to give kids leukemia? And like – and you're just kind of like, yeah, I do care. Okay, here's, here's the 35 cents. You give it because he's like, you do care. Now, like the feedback loop is like, like do you actually care enough that the care is good? Right. And so that's a process that that's like the payback. Right. The payback should be like, hey, I saw how my money's done. So that's why there's like a picture there of like a kid that you can help because the thought process is that child's being helped and you're contributing to that. Right. Even right. And that's your payback, you know, that, that feel for sure. But still, at the end of that day, if that were to continue to exist, you're hopefully helping a bunch of kids with leukemia and then they would grow up. Right. And, you know, donate to the cause as well but that that feedback loop is is still like uh delayed i think it's still one way it's not a circle well i, I don't know i feel like that i feel like this is great because it's like you're not donating with the hopes that they'll donate one day you're you're, you're donating with the hopes that they'll get better and like you'll contribute to that so i guess there's probably there were probably nonprofits to get rid of like polio and then they did it, and then they're like, "Great, we get to we're done with the mission." <laughs> yeah, because because honestly, yeah. the funding dries up. You know why? Because when it's not a big issue, people don't care about it, so they don't give the money, right? The government's if it's not a real issue, the government's not going to give the money. And then if I'm a big funder, I'm going to be like, "This isn't like the the issue anymore," you know. But, but I think that's but that's there's your feedback loop, right? It it's it doesn't it either gets completed, right? There's no it's like not feedback. It's like I think, I think we're it's like a turret. <laughs> I, well, I think what Fred's getting at is that um, just, a, a, it sounds like for these nonprofits or any kind of organization to work well and get, make more progress on its mission, there needs to be an understanding and shared vision between the people who are funding it and maybe kind of at the top and organizing and then the people who are on the bottom actually receiving on, I mean, bottom, like just on the ground, the people who are actually doing the work. And you mentioned there was that one person who um, 
uh, in Harlem who was kind of bridging that gap, who was kind of in the middle. Yeah. I'm curious what you think is were the qualities that made him good at his job. Like what was it about him as a person that made him successful or, and was he liked? I'm also curious. Like, was he, I think he's, I think, uh, so I love leadership. So I ended up realizing who Jeffrey Canada was because I was looking at just different leaders that were doing that type of work. I think part of it is that was to answer that first question. The last question was he liked by some, Right. Was he disliked by others? It was. But he was still the person that took the grunt of that stuff. Right. I think that like the people that do this work well, the people that do also well, and I believe in startups, are the people that like rise to the occasion as leaders. Right. Um, And there's a lot of there's there's an honest quality about it, too, because like this work right here is it's not going to be pretty. Right. If you're doing something like that, they're going to be you're dealing with a lot of lives and you're also you're dealing with a lot of emotions. So the people that can handle that type of stress or like but not just handle it, but like want that and want to rise to the occasion. I think those are the people that do best. Um, I think that some people have great skill sets, of course, right? Um, I could give you a list of like, what is it? Uh, John Maxwell's 51 <laughs> leadership attributes. But I think that like that being the top one of like someone that actually wants to rise to the occasion understands like there's a responsibility um, because you're going to have to say some tough things or you're going to have to be honest or you're going to have to cut programs, right? So things like that. Yeah, the the hard choices. I mean, yeah. we've talked. You talked a little bit about uh, slaying your ego. I guess to me, it also seems like you're dealing with the egos of a lot of other people too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, how do you guys feel about that? How do you guys feel about just dealing with other people's egos when you're working with them? Right? Because you could be in pursuit of a mission, but like, how do you get past someone else's ego? Well, I I mean, I think the first step is not letting your own ego get in the way. You know, I I like to think that I'm not super driven by my ego and, and I don't let it control me, but I lately I've started to notice kind of moments or interactions where it flares up um, and sort of, uh, it's good because I'm noticing like the times when it could get in the way and it could kind of, you know, blur my judgment. Um, but it's, I think that's, I think that's the first step is kind of just not letting your own ego dominate your life. But I think the second part is, I think it's just, on trying to kind of meet the other person where they are mm-hmm. and trying to understand them. And like, under, like it's, um, it, there was something that, uh, you know, someone else who used to work with mentioned is, uh, meet like to teach a student, you need to kind of meet them where they're at, not just deliver the material and kind of hope that they kind of catch on and just, you know, it's like catching a train, making it on there. It's like, you need to, it's like an Uber ride. You need to go to them and, and kind of pick them up and take them along for the ride. Yeah. I think there's there's an element of that. And to do that, you have to have that intention of of trying to connect and understand. Yeah. And, yeah. How about you? Pete? Go ahead. Um, sorry, I stepped out for a second there. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, we were just talking about, um, I guess, what is it about um, being able to kind of deal with other people's egos and, you know, also just like in a leadership role or, um, you know, how do you have those like hard conversations, that type of thing? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's really important to understand what everyone wants, you know, like why everyone's there and what are the motivations? Like if you, you can basically make really intelligent guesses on what's going to happen in a given situation. If you understand like what motivates people to be a part of it. 
Definitely. I agree, Pete. I agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, and to pl- to piggyback on that, it's like what I learned was like to get to that point, you had to be able to like speak to them in a way that they want to be spoken to. So to add both your things point to like to understand their motives, you have to meet them where they're at um, and trying to be trying to be. So my thing last year was I want to be a master communicator. Um, and so because I realized that, like, if I can't get the words out in the way that you need them, then like I'm going to do a disservice to everybody I work with, my team, my partner. Right. The people in my lives. Um, so just taking time to read books like the nonviolent communication book where it's like, oh, like there are certain words that are going to trigger people. But you have to like really like disengage, you really like disengage in a way that like, hey, like it's there's clarity in what you're saying, but it doesn't bring up resistance. Like I learned that like using the word always when describing someone's action automatically makes them defenseful. So now it's like you're never going to be able to get there. Um, to understand their motives and they're never going to, you're never going to be able to meet them without those things. Right. And so it's being able to be a really good communicator, but like, like you said, with intention, Peter, you know? Yeah. Understanding what your what needs to be communicated. Cause you oh. might have six people on your side and only really need to convince one, Dude. you know? Dude. And it's, and it's so um, stressful to realizing that, right. Because it's like, you got to chop down. I think, um, as people, we, we kind of overanalyze and say too much. So less is more communication, but it's also like it has to like because there's less, you have to be very um, distinctive with the words. A good friend of mine, Malcolm, he said, use your words expensively. And like that really shook me because it was like, oh, like if every word that comes out of my mouth was like five bucks, like I wouldn't just say anything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's so true that. The people that talk the most say the least. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of content out there that's filler these days and just kind of meandering. I guess, yeah, it feels like, and I, what I really enjoy about these podcasts is feels like it's rediscovering uh, the art of conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, we talked a little bit about Clubhouse. Uh, it seems like that's maybe the direction the pendulum is swinging lately because everything has been, you know, quick tweets, you know, one minute video stories, like, like posts. And now, but also now there seems like to be a resurgence and and long rise and pop. Yeah. Long form podcasts. Like Mm -hmm. people want these organic conversations, whether it's listening to other people have them or being able to have them themselves. And I guess my, my question, if there's a question in there, it's, um, do you see any of that kind of like what, what role do you see that in kind of what you're working on with the flourish factory or also maybe just uh, if you ever go back to any of the um, nonprofit work? Yeah. Well, I think it's uh, I think I do think one, one thing that I do disagree with, I think clubhouse is going to still be successful, but it's not going to hit the range. I think that when people can actually go back outside, I think that it'll still be something cool, but like no one's going to want to be on clubhouse at like 1am on a Friday night. Now it's like there are people that like that's what they line up to do. So I think their users are going to drop in that retrospect. But I don't think it's going to go away. I think that um, it's content creation, man. I think people love content. You know, that's part of like the thing at um, the Flourish Factory. So building out a thing like the Flourish Factory is like it's content, community, and commerce. 
Right. So we're working with brands to do a lot of commerce, but at the same time, we're building this community. Right. And so just like everyone that you've interviewed now, it's, it's part of your community. It's part of like your ecosystem, you know. Um, and so like you're building up the space. But how would you do that? You, you had some content to draw them in that they wanted to be a part of, that they wanted to speak to. And so I think that like you see, this is what a lot of people are building. Right. This is what we're doing with this. And I think that as like millennial Gen Z's, this is what we do. We love building content. So I think. We're going to continue to see the the rise of that, right? Um, well, and too, I think there might be an. It's, I agree with you with, with what you said. And I think it, it's a bunch of things coming together because I think Sergey's right too. Talking about that pendulum, you know, for maybe uh, like people who grew up in the fifties, right? Like you're going to have a couple channels, you're going to have your radio shows. A lot of them are going to be local, mm-hmm. but like most of the interesting conversations you're going to have are with you know, you're com- inside of your community at home or where, you know, maybe restaurants are out somewhere, but it's going to be face-to-face conversations that'll probably span hours, right? Um, and and now we've swung all the way to the other side of it, right? It's like, oh, it's Friday night. Let's go, you know, do something exciting, right? Something loud, not something, you know, where you can like have a long conversation or if you, even if you do like a, a, you know, more like chill thing. It, it never feels like the conversation uh, hits, hits a level of depth that I don't know. I have experienced at least in podcasts, listening or participating. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it's starting to swing back. It's like, well, let's have a really interesting conversation about X, right? Like let's spend an hour talking about it. Um, whereas, you know, maybe you meet someone at a gathering and, they want to spend 15 minutes talking about it or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's because, because the conversation is the product the conversation has, can be monetized now. Um, or, or at least it's a platform. Um, I think that's kind of, like I said, you could get on your soapbox and before you had to have some type of expertise um, or, but now it's like everyone can get on their soapbox. And so I, I like it. Right. Because now you, more opinions are coming out. Right. You get to learn more about this different people. Um, it isn't just like there there are no gatekeepers, right? In terms of ideas. Sure. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm gonna hit record and I'm gonna tell the world how I feel. And the world has access to that now. And that's something that like, you know, it's like it's a it's a it's a very big thing because you can whoever you are, you can record yourself and actually have an audience and build that. Exactly. I mean, and maybe that doesn't resonate with everybody, but it resonates with twenty people. And then like they're just like, I love your message and I, you know, I wanna be a part of it. Or you, you hit a nerve of something larger and then, you know, it blows up and, you know, you never really expected it, but that message that you put out there <laughs> is something everyone else is like on board with. Yeah. And I think it's such a, such a cool, I think this is a cool time for it. And I think um, what this is able to do, and I like the, the fact that it's just different types of content, right? So you can, you can create a podcast and create a community there, but then at the same time, you can create some content with a video, right? Um, where you can have a YouTube where, um, you know, like kind of Joe Budden is doing this right now where he's got his sound, but he's able now to like get these different deals from both Spotify and Patreon, where it's like, it's really, it's just him and his friends sitting there talking about different topics and how they feel about them. You know, and like that is now something that like is he just started with his friends in a room and they, they really just started polishing it up. And so when you look at like the variety of content that could be made just off of conversation, it's like, OK, this is pretty cool. For sure. It's very it's very organic. It's very natural. It's to how we communicate. Mm-hmm. Right. So if someone's doing an interview. Right. And 
the interviewer, let's say, has an agenda. So it's meant to be kind of like an inflammatory exchange, right? It's it's this person debates this other person, and we're in a talk studio. Shows, they talk rehearse shows. it, like yeah, they got their they got their funny jokes. They got the live studio oh, and audience. You're, you're promoting what you know, blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know, it's all ad revenue kind of driven. Um, it's not it's not very it's, it loses its authenticity, right? And it's weird yeah. because there's a there's a slow it, it kind of creeps up on you, like how that authenticity gets lost. I mean, you see it with like like vlogging, right? It, it started oh, yeah. off very personal thing but now they're like there's vloggers that are just so curated and so staged that it but it blurs that line so it, it started off as this really authentic thing <laughs> and that's why i stopped for the culture right yeah. that's literally why i stopped for the culture it was like okay like to take this to the next level like we have to then take on ads like for this to work right um and so when you realize that like that's being ad driven so because as you know, the rule on the internet, if you're giving it for free, you're being sold. So if you're giving media out, if you're getting content, like now you got to sell your audience. That's how you pay the bills, you know? Um, and that's when I realized that you got to sell a product too, because it was just like, you, you then have to sell your audience to these ad spaces. And then now it's not organic because to pay the bills, right? It's, it's that same disconnect. Now the people that are giving the ads, they don't care what your listeners want. They're paying their money to give their ads, you know? And so there's a disconnect there again. I just had a funny idea so i don't know if you watch wandavision but they have fake ads in wandavision and so if we ever get a proposition to do an ad on this show it could be fun to pepper in fake ads as well <laughs> we have like two fake ads and two real ads or something <laughs> so people are like i don't know what's real on this podcast or not. it would be funny if like the real ad is like crazier than for the right exactly fake product like, <laughs> like two uh, truths and a lie but yeah format. yeah it's like you can pay attention or not and like <laughs> but then that might engage people more like is that a real product? Like, and then they're searching the ads more. Ads are fascinating because they're basically content that you don't want to see, but someone's paying for you to see, mm -hmm. right? Versus, you know, now it's now there's a lot of free content in the sense of you can go down, like you know, stream it, whatever. Um, but you're you're sort of paying your time and effort to try to see something, and basically now to kind of make up for that, there's this negative side of like someone you got to see some stuff that you don't want. Yeah what you do want because someone's paying for it on the other side i remember when youtube first came out like youtube is like one of the coolest things i've ever seen grow like um so i like in high school i used to run like i was like in the av club so i was like pretty much in the tv production studio a lot and so we had all these macs and so like one of the first places we would upload things is to youtube this is like 2006 right and it was just like this simple site and then now like to see like 30 second ads <laughs> you know, to watch yeah. just like a quick clip is just like, this is crazy. Sure. You know, it's changed a lot for sure. Yeah. It's like, but like still what? overall, it's, it's this, it's this powerful platform, right. That anyone can post to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you got to pay for it somehow. Right. Yeah. Someone does that, but it, that's actually a good segue back to kind of what we were talking about with the, the connection. Um, I, I think technology I'm, I'm very optimistic about it and how it can be used. Um, even with everything that's been going on, you see things, just these different platforms, whether it's video, audio, podcasts as tools for helping bridge that gap. And have you seen kind of any wins or examples of that? Like, you know, someone maybe doing a vlog or, or, or just kind of showcasing uh, how stuff, you know, because if you think about before you would need like a film crew or you need some way of distributing a video or an interview of people uh, in, in a community, say, and you want to get that information up to, 
you know, the highest levels of, of the uh, nonprofit organization saying, you know, this, hey, take some action, right? Or, or we need help in this, in this XYZ area. Now you have much more powerful tools to do that. Bro, I, I want to explain to you how powerful it is, right? So in like 2006, I was, again, on the AV, on the AV club, right? Um, and for, we had a TV studio, like a real TV studio that used to go out to the city, right? And so we broadcast to our city and it was like only two people, two or three people in the building that knew the code. It was a code to go live, right? Hmm. Um, there was an actual code. It was a protected thing. Not everybody knew about it. It was just like, hey, like it was like five numbers and then you'd be broadcasting live to the city, right? Probably 100,000 people. Now you can do that in your living room hmm. to more yeah. people. So <laughs> <a> way more. <laughs> and, so so like, in terms of like like any specifics, uh, you know, because sometimes there's like a delay, right? So now we have that technology. What's the, uh, you know, in terms of it being used and sort of like seeing like actionable stuff, uh, just kind of on maybe the nonprofit end. Like, have you seen any of that? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I've seen like as much nonprofits. I think nonprofits are spreading their messages a lot faster, right? Because from a retweet, from creating some type of like good YouTube content or video, right? They can record someone every day um, on a YouTube clip of like different dogs, and people just want to donate to them, right? I think that like the content that people are able to put out, content is like a loss leader, right? But it's like kind of things that like that. Um, that payoff will come out later. So I think that like the, if, if you want me to give a specific, I saw like anyone that went viral, right? Like we can name all, all of them, right? That is just like, they, they wouldn't have had that access um, to that audience without it. Right. Um, and however, I think that that's just kind of happening where it's a feeding frenzy. It's not really for just like, just not profits. It's for like what's entertaining. Right. And is this person going to continue to entertain us um, in value? And if they can keep the eyeballs, then we'll give them some money. Cause that's where the money ends up being is, is the ads, you know? Well, and like when I heard Sergey ask that question, the person that came to mind for me was uh, PewDiePie, like an original YouTuber, basically. Like, I I truly believe he's one of those people that if six people were watching his videos, he would still do it. Like, he he loves. He just can't stop. Like, he's he's tried to stop a few times, and he he always comes back. And he he has you know he calls his viewers you know my bros and stuff. Right. And he, he, yeah, he promotes uh, G Fuel, right? Like, which is a caffeinated, like, gamer drink. He's all about like, Minecraft. He's a weird guy, but like, there's a hundred million people. Well, it's probably more than that now. Anyway, there were at least a hundred million people who subscribed to his content, and like, I think that's a really good balance of authenticity. You know, still getting paid and doing ads, but promoting things he you know, he uses and believes in yeah. and like, you know, just like every, I don't see anyone losing in that equation. No, no. I think if you, if you, if you, if you're mindful about what type of commerce that you give out, because it definitely has to match the content. Right. Like, um, but I think that when you get to a certain level, there are only so many checks, right? There are only so many companies that can give you a $50 million check. But why do you, I mean, like I would say PewDiePie could be making it. He's definitely, gotten offers that he's turned down he could be making a ton of money but he you know only wants to promote certain projects that he kind of resonates with and so right he's not selling his audience is fine with that level Mm -hmm. of authenticity and yeah i think you know 
if you do take that large check, you could dilute, you could kill the golden goose. True. Very true. Golden goose. Like you, are you on long term? You going short term? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, 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 that's real, right? You gotta, you gotta stay true to the values um, of what you're doing because, and I think that's the community piece because the community show you, right? And so that's where you get that feedback again. Yeah. Like the community is going to be like, ah, 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 I thought you said like our values were being healthy. Why are you telling us to drink Coca-Cola, bro? Right. Like, <laughs> you know, um, a funny tidbit about the community thing is, you know, when Lady Gaga first came out, like yeah. crazy outfits, wearing meat, like just just really out there. Yep. So she got a fan base that loved that extreme like aspect of her. Uh-huh. And then, you know, more recently she did like what that movie uh, Fault in Our Stars or whatever. Right. Like a more normal right side of her and her fan base is like, hey, like, are you OK? Like what happened to the crazy, like, you know, meat wearing, like, where'd that person go? And she's got, she said this, she's like, I'm both those people, but I can't be that one person all the time. You mm-hmm. know, it was like, oh, so that's interesting. Like, yeah, if- but I think you can't, you got to show that, right? Because um, that's her brand, right? So I've spent a lot in the last like year and a half really trying to study brands and everything as I'm trying to build the first factor. And it's just like the impressions that you give people are what they're going to accept. Right. So how you show up to them, it's like, she showed up as that lady Gaga for what, like we would say like five years. Yeah. And then like, it was just like, ah, no, it's just like, okay, but what about, (laughs) you know, it's so interesting because yeah, it's like, especially with celebrity, because there's a lot of external pushback. Like I think if you're, not famous it's maybe you you still get that i think around your um like your inner circle like you've changed like whatever but having imagined millions of eyes on you that's that's way more pressure to conform and i think that's probably got to be the source of so much like mental health or mental illness um with within that like celebrity kind of community it's kind of interesting too because like if she hadn't been crazy initially would people have even noticed her right like, did she have to, I think another one is like Kesha. She put out a classical album and she also put out like uh, her, her like pop stuff. And she was like, whichever one ends up working is the one I'll go with. <laughs> so she's like an, a, a classically trained opera singer. Yeah. You've never heard Kesha sing like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. Like the other, the loud, the obnoxious, the crazy album, which she was just like, this isn't going to work, ended up being the content people want it <laughs> yeah you know it's funny because like um it's funny another person like that is like t-pain right so like t-pain yeah. right like t-pain can actually sing amazing voice he's got an amazing voice right like if you watch his tiny da- dance desk oh. me, it's like holy oh t-pain could go off you got the thing but yeah. it's like it was the um auto-tune auto-tune that was just he was making hits, right? He's making hits in his auto tune. It's crazy because it took it to a place. Then what happened was like kind of like there was like some pushback on auto tune. Jay Z came out with a, with a song against it. Definitely not want to do auto tune, right? And so his career kind of dwindles. But well, it's like he has a great voice. T Pain was like, I'm gonna lean into that. Like you're not doing auto tune. Yeah, like watching this like madness. <laughs> Let me ask you this because I've heard other people auto tune. It doesn't seem like anyone does it quite as well as T Pain. Well, he's no, probably he started it. He started that whole situation. He like he didn't start it because I think obviously like other groups have done it, but like he, 
yeah, that was his thing. That was that was the thing that he his lane, right? And so that was his brand, you know. Let's think about it. If you're auto tuning and you're coming in at a seven out of ten on your like singing, right? Yeah. Yes. Maybe you get it up to a nine. You're coming in at a ten out of ten. You can go anywhere you want at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that maybe that's, that's probably it. I was why. Gonna say, like, is, is he's already he's perfect, and yeah. it's just like, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, yeah. It's it's interesting, right? Because I I noticed a lot of a lot of the singers sound very similar, but his is just kind of different. Yeah, I I think that's it. Everyone's say, pretty awful, and he's amazing. Do you do one other person who I'd say also has really good auto tune is uh, Akon. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. For sure. So no, I definitely say that Akon, Akon at the time, Akon was doing it well too at the time. Hmm. So if you, if you notice any track Akon is on, it's just instantly a hit. Basically. (laughs) I think he produces a lot of stuff and he's just like, Oh, I'm just going to be featured on this one. But like, I'm pulling a lot of strings behind the scene to make this work. Yeah. No, he he is. Akon's a mover and shaker too, you know? So I think that definitely has something to do with it. Like he's not going to put out anything that's like, like you said, subpar. It's like, no, this is this is going number one, you know? Sure. Yeah. I would be so curious to hear how that works, right? Because like you're talking about a commerce platform, audience, product, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, here's a song nobody asked for, like that I made that I'm gonna I'm pretty sure I can push to number one. Right. <laughs> what does that process look like? Is it like do you connect with radio stations? Like yeah. is, like like how how do you get like that out and how do you make it? pop so, nowadays yeah nowadays like taylor swift she has like her whole crew and stuff but like i mean i'm sure akon does as well but like there's that driver's license song that went to uh spotify and itunes number one faster than any other song ever and i think that was largely through tiktok and the gen yeah. gen uh was it gen x or, gen z. or z. yeah gen z, yeah, z. Yeah. so it's wild because i went to a3c which is like a3c is this conference in atlanta it's like for every Everybody that ever wants to be a rapper or, or has a mixtape comes to Atlanta to this to this event, right? And so that was the topic that a lot of people were talking about. And so Akon was actually speaking, right? And so like this is like they had like Jay Prince, and so it was like this. At, so I'm like just immersed in. I'm just an entrepreneur. I'm just looking for ideas at the time. And so like I'm learning. Just like to 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 your point about this question is just like there's so many ways that people have done it, right? I met a guy that just went viral off of like something else. And then he just started rapping. And that was just like the content that he wanted to continue to do. I met some people that like had been building followings and they would perform and it'd be like 50 people. And I'd be like, I have no idea who this is, you know? Um, so it's like a very interesting space. Right. And so, so but someone like Akon, he's just like, has such a good community. Like, I guess like everyone knows each other. So it's like, he's going to get the spins. He's going to get the, you know, he's like, a, he, he's a mover and a shaker, but like for everyone else, it's like this hustle grind of like, Hey, like I gotta build some content and some shtick so some so the community will grow around it, and then I can kind of like charge them at the end. So it's you gotta like, wear a, a meat outfit. <laughs> yeah, you know, you gotta like you, there has to be, but you but like we said, you get stuck in that, right? Because if that's the thing that pops, then it's like you gotta wear that meat outfit every day. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, it's starting to smell. A <laughs> you know, it's it's a there's a deeper point there about about identity that uh i'm so glad you guys brought it up because i was thinking about it today too like i just for myself i think about kind of you know i've like well like two there's like two modes to me there's like one that's very like kind of like stoic and serious and like focused and there's another side of me that's like very like outgoing and and you know likes likes to have a good time and very like 
um, extroverted. And there's there's always been this kind of like tension between the two. Sometimes like yang going on. Yeah, like which in a certain situation, like which one do I want to be? Do I want to turn on one or the other? Like, do I have full control over that? And um, <laughs> Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, a little exactly. Bit. Yeah, and, you know, Doctor Banner, you know, Mister Hulk. <laughs> um, but you know, the the question, I guess, and all that is, like, I think, or like the resolution I kind of came to was um, kind of the same. Like, you don't really have to choose in a sense like you can it is possible to be more than one thing like you don't have to fit into some mold or some some stereotype uh because because that's like external um i think the external pressure is real but we don't have to uh we can kind of define our own identity amen for sure Um, and that's going i think going back to originally the original question of you know the tomorrow people and tomorrow's people or the flourish factory like um you know, it's, it's this sort of like freedom from past, past sort of like, you know, boxes that have been kind of imposed on us. Yeah. I don't think, I think we're going to start seeing more and more people who just don't fit neatly into those like previous boxes. And so it's going to have to, that once, once enough of that happens, I think it triggers sort of a, a paradigm shift in sort of the community. And I think that it's, that's what flourish isn't about, right? Because that it's, I don't like to use the word change. I like to say evolve. Right. Lady Gaga evolved. Right. She just she was like, OK, I can do this stick all the time. But like now I'm, I want to grow in a healthy way and staying in that space. Probably I want to win an Oscar. Yeah. You know, exactly. But that's like that. She evolved into winning an Oscar. Right. It was just like had yeah. she stayed with that other side, she wasn't going to be able to get what was what was for her on the other side. And so I think you know, like if you don't if you're not constantly trying to pull on that. Right. And trying to be like, hey, like, you know what? I'm not going to stay in this box. I know I've created this box, but it's okay for me to leave them and create a new box. You know, and in the process, I will learn about myself. You know, it, I think it goes back to what you said, you know, killing your ego every day. But another way that I've heard it said is like, uh, you don't have to be the person you were yesterday. Like, literally, you know, you could be, you can, you can drop anything you want and pick up anything new. Like, there's nothing saying that you have to talk a certain way, act a certain way, like the very next day. Like, I want an Australian accent. Tomorrow. Yeah, whatever you want. Like, <laughs> you, like you could, there's nothing, there's really, it's up to you if if you want to change who you are in any way that you are. And, and if I can be honest, is that's kind of why I held on to my first idea so long. Hmm. Like, this is just kind of a real honest moment here. Is like, I was just holding on to it for so long that like, even when I knew this doesn't make sense, it wasn't deep in my heart. Like a party I, I, how do I separate my identity? This also happened when I like in college, when I had to stop playing football, I had to like, I had this identity of being this football player and I had to like break out of that identity. Right. And so I think that some people, you just, you just too afraid or you, right? like, like Sergey said earlier, like your, in, your internal group is going to like question you. So you have to go through that process. Right. Yeah. Uh, who's this? Oh, this is Fred. He's the, fo- you know, he plays football. Right. And then it's like, oh, this is, this is Fred. Right. And you're like, oh, where am I? Who am I? Like <laughs> drifting. Sure. So, yeah. It's, I think it's an important thing. I mean, I mean, too, though, like there are, I think there are limits, like practical limits. Like if I came back tomorrow and I was just completely different, I think that's probably not healthy. So I think there's some, some degree of like a step by step. Right. I don't think well, was, radical like, change can just happen. Like, oh, I'm all of a sudden. Well, there's like else. actors, right. And they lose it after a yeah. role and they're like screwed up for weeks or months yeah. and like, especially really good ones. Right. And they, mm-hmm. they embody the person probably because it is so difficult 
to go back and forth between like different personas. <laughs> what is it? The Tropic Thunder when uh, he has the, the guy who's uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. being blackface, right? Yeah. And he, at the end, he's like taking off a contact lens. He's switching between like, you know, uh, the accent for the character, his Australian accent, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, yeah. Man, that's, I, I can't imagine a movie like that being made. Nowadays. Yeah. Well, I think is I think part of that is like the keyword Sergey said is healthy, right? Like it's got to be healthy. Um, I think that's why like things like the concept of flourish works because it's like we're accepting the change, we're accepting things have to move, but like at a healthy pace, right? So like if you're an actor and you're just like throwing yourself into this role full time for like boom a year and a half, and then now you just like the last day of the set, you're just like, oh, whatever. It's got to be myself. Like, yeah, I think that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah but the real I, cases. I mean, like, there's also, if you're pursuing excellence or trying to achieve something no one else has done, Absolutely. You know, whether it be sports or acting or music, right? There's going to be a lot of, a lot of work in the process, right? Mm-hmm. Like in sports, it's painful. You're sore. It hurts. Like, you know, the like it's uh, you know, is that quote unquote healthy, right? Like, absolutely, because growth is painful. Yeah, but like, what if you know, what if you end up with like a long term issue because of that excellence? Like, I still think a lot of people are like, I I know what I did, like I'm fine with it. Long term, I understand like this wasn't this isn't a healthy like long term move, but. I wanted to achieve X, you know? So I would say that like when you look at it, like, cause if you look at the growth, it's like, okay, like you're going to be unhealthy for like, what, like two to three years, right. To achieve, to get to your goals. Right. Or like what Kobe would say, like as a professional athlete, you train so much in that period and that time to reach that, that, that goal. There are going to be seasons in life where you do have to take it there. But when you look up your whole lifespan, the problem is that the more unhealthy you are in that process, the shorter your time is. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe, I mean, but I, I think it, it's like you could spend, you're right. Kobe has had a family and stuff. He probably spent a ton of time in the court and his relationships probably could have been better off well, the court if he were to retire. Right. So there's like, you know, it, it, it's a, but I think he's told, he was totally fine making those sacrifices for yeah. that goal. But what I was saying there was that like, after that, he was still investing in those things. Right. And so, like, kind of like he understood the season was like, hey, I'm a basketball player. I'm going to be great over here. Right. But like the healthy part of, OK, now there's an imbalance. The pendulum was swung. Now I got to rededicate myself. Right. So now he's coaching his, his daughter's basketball game. He's like being intentional about that. I think that that's what happens is like in your pursuit of greatness, like it's going to take you. But like, how do you now balance it out in a healthy way? Right. Because yeah. if you don't, then it's just like you're just you're going to end up with one thing. and It's going to actually be it's going to cost you. It's not really going to be growth. You're just going to pay that. You're going to be paying a price for something, you know? Yeah, that's long-term bad. I mean, one thing we were talking about, too, is trying to interview people who came in, like, third or fourth in a given, like, uh, arena, right? That'd be crazy. Like, <laughs> like maybe politicians, athletes, right? Runner-ups at award <laughs> shows and things like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, no one's talking to them, right? <laughs> so, How did you number two? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll just make a whole nother one. God, <laughs> that that podcast. Be interesting. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, Less than one. number one. 
<laughs> I mean, they, it's funny, right? Because sometimes it, it comes down to like split second, right? If you're talking about like the right. who came in, you know, Phelps and swimming stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's still, it's still, you know, it's a huge amount of sacrifice. And I think that's what it comes down to, right? That like being able to pick your sacrifices mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, who, like what, whatever, whatever the task is, right. Whatever the, the goal. Um, but I like what you said about kind of doing it in a healthy way and kind of being able to pivot and, you know, if, if something's not working, right. Or, or something's become kind of too unhealthy. How do you check yourself on that? That's tough. It's a good question. I, I would say, um, and I use this in my life. So this is me just saying about something that I actually do, um, whether it be my relationship, whether it, I, you have to look at it, you have to look at it objectively and be mindful and be like, is this healthy? Is this, is this, is this going in the right direction? Um, you know, like I have a partner and like one of the things I always tell her is like, Hey, like I always want to make sure our relationship is in a healthy space, you know? Um, and so I think that like for myself, I got a personal rule, like, Hey, if I can't, if I don't have any clean underwear, I'm not living healthy. Like, and I know it sounds silly, but it's just like, I got to do laundry. I got to make sure my life is set. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's, it's checking the quality of life that you're living, you know? Um, but like being intentional about it, I think Pete, you said that earlier, like just being intentional about that. Um, is the way that you do that because what will happen is that things become unhealthy when you're not checking them. If you have a fish tank, the water's healthy when you realize that, hey, like, you know, like I'm, I'm checking the water. I'm making sure there's this. We got to drop some, some of this stuff in it. You're making sure that the environment that you're in is healthy. Sure. Yeah, there's there's that element of reflection, self-reflection, I think, is, is huge. And I also think it's good to also look out sometimes. So just even, even this trip that you've been visiting, Peter, like there's a little – tricks or like, you know, just super random, like today, the scrambled eggs, you know, you sh- you're the one who kind of showed me how to make them better than how I was making them for years. And so there's, you know, and for the podcast or, or uh, probably for you and for the flourish factory or for anything, I think there's, like you said, value in that community value in like having those outside influences, positive influences and being able to kind of filter out like the best ones oh, and yeah. allowing them in. Nothing I love more is getting into something. And then meeting somebody who got into it six months prior has a similar like obsessiveness personality as, as I do. And they're like this, like you can avoid this, all this stuff. There's nothing there. <laughs> this is really the germ of it. And start here and you'll make much faster progress. And it's like, oh, that's that's where like I, I truly believe a mentor in a space can can help you learn something probably faster than anything else. Hey, you know what that sounds like? Hmm. flourishing that's what i'm saying right there <laughs> okay that's what i'm talking about because the growth was so happy like you just like I, I can't even see you and i know you just lit up just talking about that process right because it was about growth and it was exponential growth and it was good and it wasn't like struggling and it wasn't like this big issue and it wasn't like hurting you right it was like in pursuit of what you could what it was a good obsession right and i think that's what flourishing is about it's like hey like and you were open to it right it's like it's about community too um, even if it's a bad obsession i just like doing it as as well as you can it's like yeah, yeah sure i'm in yeah, <laughs> absolutely yeah. man it's like um so my friend um one of one of our good friends anthony he, he's a rapper and he, on his album i talk about um i'm on his album talking and i talk about flourish it's like an actual track and i talk about flourishing being like trees right and the thing with trees is that as they grow and bloom their roots underneath each other are like are connected so they'll give nutrients to each other right i, I, I literally saw this on a national geographic 
And so I think that like part of what you were talking about right there is that like exchange of like, hey, like getting it, getting that information from someone else when you're trying to figure it out, that'll help you grow. And then now when you see someone six months later that's starting, you can pass that along. Right. And so but it's all about like that personal investing and that personal growth of that person. It's just like that exchange is something different, you know. Yeah, I'm actually my wife is pregnant, so we're expecting a baby in uh, June. So hey, yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a whole trip on <laughs> right how you how you help uh, you know uh, your kid out with life and flourishing, flourishing, <laughs> flourishing. So. so so let's talk about that real quick. Hold on, we'll pause. How has that process been? Uh, well, it was uh, simple and short at the beginning, and there's a long uh, incubation period. No. <laughs> uh, see. I don't know. I mean, she, where do you want to start in that process? Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. team me up a little bit. There. Yeah, no. So, in terms of like, just like now, like, like you're, you're coming to your mindset, like, hey, I'm about to be a father, right? I'm gonna have to nurture yeah. something, right? Like, how's that thought come to? Like, how, how have you thought about it? How are you approaching it? <sighs> well, there's, you know, there's only so much planning you can do before you get hit in the face uh so like, uh or what is it everyone has a plan until they get hit in the face Thanks. yeah nope. so Mike Tyson. You know, right you can you can read books you can you can have experiences with kids and stuff but you know it there's all the theory but then there's actually doing it and so i feel i feel like i'm prepared enough on the theory part and uh, it's time to, or when it when it is time, you know, it's just it's just about doing it. And it's kind of like what you said about the fish tank, or you know, anything that you want to continue to have flourish in your life. It requires consistency, and you know, always always trying your best. So that's kind of going to be my north star, um, and I, I think the rest will fall into place. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Um, I think the first one too is always always more stressful, right? Because then you know, round two you have like practical. Experience. A lot, of, a lot of my friends are nervous who are having kids, but so I have six younger siblings, and I help raise. Uh, let's see, four of them because mm-hmm. I was ten. They like for the first two uh, that helped, and it was like that. I mean, if I didn't have that. I'd, be way more nervous. <laughs> okay, okay. So you got some practice in your belt. You all right? I, that's why you said okay. So you're ready. You're not afraid to change the diaper. No, no. Feeling good. I, it'll smell. It'll it'll not be fun, but that's the process. That that is the tough part. Like that is just showing your love right there. It's just like Yeah, I mean <laughs> terrible consequences if you don't, like rashes, disease, exactly. like you could die. Like yep. you gotta change the diaper. It's a, it's a, yep. it's the maintenance, it's like consistency. <laughs> For sure. Love it. Love to hear this stuff, man. I think there's a lot of growth in that, man. I think, um, yeah. I think overall, like, as you learn to, like, care for people, that that grows in how you approach yourself, right? I think that, like, now doing it for your child is, is like, a whole other level um, of, like, of growth within you, right? Because I think child uh, raising a child, obviously, as our parents know, as we've seen, right, is, like, it's hectic. You know, um, and whether you're doing that, whether you're pursuing to like raise your child, it's going to be a consistency that like you, no one has ever seen before. This doesn't turn off, you know? <laughs> and so I think that like being a parent is like a very interesting process. And now being a parent 
now in COVID is like another interesting space because you can't as just drop your kid off to your parents as easy possibly or like, you know, um, or get that time away. So it's just like, it's one of those things that like, we're having to learn to recommit ourselves to things, um, but it doesn't take away the responsibility of your child still has to flourish, you know? Right. And like the dynamic is, is different because everyone's living longer too. So whereas, you know, your grandparents might live to 70, now that would be, I think, kind of young, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And so if you have kids in your 20s or 30s, that's 60 years with that individual uh, that you've created. So excited. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, it's like, it's, uh, and it, you know, maybe in times past, you know, kids move away, you don't get to see them as much, but you can travel anywhere. You can call anybody at any time. You know, it's like, uh, it's, it's just different. Uh, hmm. and like, I, I don't, what are the social media platforms of their generation? Right. The, the platforms that have not been created that won't be created for 10 years that they're going to be like on that. I'll be like, well, back in my day, we had the MySpace and you dial up and your friends invited you in. You know? Yeah. It's going to be, I mean, it's going to be crazy. The kind of world your kid's going to grow up in. Yeah. I mean, it's, everything's going to be very, very fast. Like, or, if you think about how like quick just, trends and just raise them on a farm in the middle of nowhere, yeah, they'll know nothing of the world. <laughs> Be like the Amish. Yeah. <laughs> What's that in the sky? Oh, it's a dragon. <laughs> it's cool. You're gonna have a real practical experience trying trying to figure out how to help another individual flourish. Like very like every yeah. level. Every day. Every day. No pressure. Five years, maybe. Sixty five years, yeah. Sign- yeah. I just signed up for a big experiment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think those things are they, it builds character as they say right <laughs> sure well actually I you know I have I have a good segue actually from this so we talked about flourishing one of the things I've been trying to work on and talk to Peter a little bit about another you know members of the tomorrow people is sort of just the one sentence sort of like catchphrase or, or tagline for yeah. it right and the thing that I've kind of been gravitating towards is, you know, some a network of individuals looking for ways to thrive in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. I might still flourish, might swap that out for thrive, but oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> if that's okay, put that flourish uh, on there, baby. What you mean? Is, so what? So I would say yes. You know why I say it? Because the way I see it within my community, within, you're part of the flourish family. Sure, you know you're, you're part you're of your tomorrow family. person. Yeah, exactly. There's no, this is all connected, right? I think that like, sure. that, that's why I'm here because we're, we're all part of our community. So yeah, absolutely. You know, it. I would, I would, so, it. so I, but the, the question in all that is, um, and I mentioned this to Peter last night. So there's, there's, it's a three part question. We'll start with the first part. <laughs> um, so what, what are the things that, um, you know, that we've, that human beings we've done sort of historically that you think we should keep doing going into like the rest of the century or kind of into the future. Um, so that's yeah, so part one, that's part one. What are the things that we need to kind of like keep doing that we have been doing like part of whatever, what's been good. What do you think? Fred? No, oh, what, you don't want to do the other two parts. Well, we'll do one at a time. Okay. Uh-huh. Keep doing. I think as human beings, um, constant innovation, 
right? I think that like something that like we the world has always evolved in terms of innovation, right? Um, so I think that we, we're going to continue to pursue that. I think that overall, um, there is war, but there's a lot of humanity. There's a lot of people that like are like really trying to help each other. I mean, that's super important as people. And uh, t- t- check me if this is too meta. If you guys want to act like actual things, right? But um, go meta as possible. You know, so I think that like just like humanity, I think like the the stage can change, but the way that we interact with each other is what really needs to like change, but also stay the same, in my opinion. I think that like we could be right around in spaceships right now or we could be horse and carriage. But the way that we communicate and care for each other, I think that needs to stay. Um, I think the way that like um, we value people um, in terms of like leadership, I think some of that stuff needs to stay. Right. Because if we don't have having a direction and having drive is, is, is what human beings do. So I think that's also important. Cool. Peter, you got any any things to add? Otherwise, I'll, I'll do part two. <laughs> So what's been good? What's that, been good that we should summarize keep doing? Yeah. <laughs> what's been good? What's been good? What's been um, good? Yeah, what what have we been doing that uh, society? What's been good yeah. in society? Sorry, I was just uh, summarizing. No, what's good? Summarizing. It's good. I think um what's been good? I think what's been good is overall society um we have created things. Right? We've created joy. I think that like if we're just talking about creating good, I think that like people have created such great people. Right, such great feelings for each other, such great pieces of art. Um, right, so I think that as I'm saying, like part of our process as human beings is to do things and create. I think that that has been really good, right? Because we've been able to see things that we can never imagine, right? Like never, we would never imagine that, like, hey, we could fly, and that's been good. But also at the same time, we never imagined that we could do movies, and that's been happening. So I think that, like, while there may be some bad in that, I think that, like, in terms of like creating life, I think as human beings, we've done that pretty well. Um, sure. Uh, my answer would be, I got, I'm going super meta for you. So my answer is just, uh, love's, love's been good. Oh, nah, snaps to that, Pete. Snaps to that. Love. So, <laughs> a week after Valentine's Day, I love it. Right? That's hard. That's it, hard could be, it could be platonic, it could be romantic, but love, love's been good. And love's I think, answer. Yeah. keep going with that. So Cool. Okay. So then the flip side of this question, number two, what do we need to leave behind what's been bad what's what's been <laughs> what's been the bad that i think are the sorry i'm taking your what's been bad is and i'll just say this right now i think there has been um we're moving away from believing in those things of, of the good things right it's like kind of like there's a big facade up right where like you have to look better than you actually feel right and so i think that that's with the rise of social media Right. I think that like that is harming us because now we're 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 trying to live a perfection is now like the the litmus test. And it has to look perfect. Right. While we're not just uh, just loving the joy of creating things and becoming things and like making our own. Right. Because now we have to make this perfect brand or like this perfect life that we look like that we, that we see that we see outwardly. But inwardly, like we're not actually chasing the, what we actually want. I think that like that needs to be left behind because I think that leads into a lot more, right? Because then that plays into an ego. And again, like, as we know, like when, once you start living from that space, um, it becomes destructive and, and that becomes bad. You see it every day um, in what people create, but also in the way that people treat each other. Sure. Pete? Yeah. I'd echo what uh, Fred's saying. Uh, 
but the way I would phrase it is like the propagation of lies or something that's yeah. not true. Yeah. Um, Cause it's going to take just as much energy to figure out if someone's lying and then more energy. Well, it, yeah, it takes, I'm going to say it takes more energy to not accept what someone has said or posted or whatever. So you can say, Hey, that doesn't sound right. And then you're going to have to spend your own time figuring out if that's true or not. And if it's not true, then that's kind of, that's a waste. It's not really helping anything. Um, and then even a half truth while is better than all that lie, it, it just makes it, you just have to parse a little bit harder to, to get the real truth out of it. So mm-hmm. like, I mean, comes to mind is kind of like Texas and the energy thing. I've heard so many people say, oh yeah, it's because of the, the windmills, right? In Texas, that's why they don't have power. <laughs> the windmills are less than 9% of their overall power production. The windmills in North Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, they, they, they spin all winter long. You know, it's like, it's just like, but again, it just takes more effort. And the real, the real Mm. thing is there is like, like, why is that lie a thing? You know, like, what is that helping? (laughs) Right. There's people without power for days. Like people are dying there, you know, like there's just, it, it's like, that's not helping. Are you, are you making the distinction between knowingly passing on like, Hey, I know this is false, but I'm going to say it anyways. And I'm just, this sounds right. This kind of like this, this sort of aligns with my worldview and therefore I'm just going to believe it and spread it without verifying. Say both are bad. The initial lie is probably worse. Got it. So like intentional versus unintentional. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but yeah, but even so, if you're, you're uh, maybe an unknown or unwilling participant in a lie. Sure. But you could have stopped the lie, right? You could have, you could have taken effort like effort has to be taken at some point to find truth or rebut that lie. Cause if that, if that lie propagates in the, an example of the power thing, it's like, Oh, well, geez, like get rid of all the windmills we got going on in Texas. Right. Like yeah. they fucked up everything. Right. And when in actuality, it's, that's not true. That's not the real problem. It's and a that, lot of wasted effort at best. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like someone has to stop that lie. It's, it sounds my immediate takeaway from that is it sounds like there's a responsibility yeah, to figuring out the truth or trying right. to be as truthful as possible. Right. Or even what you were saying, Fred is like, you know, that perfect lifestyle, those people who post that picture that get a million likes will literally spend eight hours that day photographing, staging the room. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they flew to a specific spot. Yeah. Like there it is a ton of effort to make it look effortless and then you know other people are like wow right like i i feel like that's that's harmful absolutely i think it's when i I, th- I think that is that stops us from pursuing what we're called for or what we what we know what we're doing right because i think that you can still have the, what we would be like the effortless and the pictures will maybe let you want, but because we're looking at this one kind of icon or these icons or and these icons are what we, whoever you're following or whoever you're going after, um, it just takes us in a route that isn't productive for us. Right. And again, it goes back to me being like, it just, does, it isn't healthy, you know? Um, sure. And, and I think that that permeates in everything else you do. Like you said, like now you're flying somewhere. So now you're changing your schedule. Now you're like the money that you're using. And, and but also at the same time, um, 
I think as like everyone does that, right? Because like, you know, like a lot of kids do it with sports. And so we idolize these sports idols. And so we play some sports and we hurt ourselves or like we do things that doesn't make don't make sense because we want to stay into the certain position. You know, um, I think it's or the music that you listen to, you idolize your 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 music hero and you start taking drugs because you think that's the lifestyle that you need to to like live like that. You know, so I think that's the hard part about where we're at right now as people is that like I feel like it's maybe at an all time high. Um, I may be wrong, but I think that with the rise of like social media and the way that it's being leveraged, like it's in your face all the time, right? Before it was like you could see your hero, Babe Ruth or whatever, play on TV once a week. Now you can understand like what that Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth would have a Twitter now. You can watch his <laughs> right? yeah. live stream while he's yeah, just live streaming, chewing tobacco, you know, <laughs> just like yeah. so there's no barrier there. So you said it's a high point right now. I'd agree with you. In the next five years, will it be higher or will it have gotten like, are we at, like you said, is peak. it going to go down? From, yeah, peak we had social a, media? Are we at a peak or is it going up high? Uh, what do you guys think first? I'd like to know your opinions. Sergey? I think it's going to change. Like you said, Fred Evolve. I think there is an element of like people kind of wake up to stuff and things fall out of fashion. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, for let's take Instagram, for example, right? It started because, you know, it's a way of making your uh, travel photos. Look good. Yeah, well, it's making, yeah, making your photos, your personal authentic photos look good and, and more, I guess, shareable. And it decluttered kind of the, let's say, Facebook experience of you have a news feed, you have posts, you have all these like news articles, like everything's kind of mixed in. Instagram was like, let's just simplify that and stick to the part that's the most appealing, which is the photos. We want to see other people's faces and experiences and things. Um, But then, you know, in that kind of push to have better and better photos and develop a following and and whatever, the culture evolved to a point where people were uploading like professional photos and Photoshopped images and all these apps came out for like face tuning and, you know, getting rid of wrinkles and, you know, smoothing your skin and, you know, making everything, all the colors pop and whatever. And, and so it got, so, and then, it, and then obviously like money kind of came into that and people were, you know, doing paid posts and, you know, promoting stuff. And I shower with coffee grounds because my skin's never been better. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And too, like you, uh, there's also this, I feel like it got very sexualized and, you know, I don't like, that's kind of only fans. It sort of seems like it's kind of come out of that. Such an interesting platform. Yeah. Not, I haven't tried it, but I'm just, it's just, it's funny that like, that's, you know, stuff that was you know, 50 years ago, whatever was, would have been, uh, you know, very like scandalous. Like, it's just like anyone with an Instagram account can now like post basically nude photos. Um, so, you know, but I think people are kind of starting to wake up to that and see that and maybe become a little more, uh, desensitized to it and, and sort of just less attracted to it. I could be wrong. I mean, that just might just like I'm, hey, this is very much opinion. my personal awesome. so, stake, but I think, I think yeah, that's might be the natural trend. All right, Fred, what, how about you? What do you think? I think it's going to evolve in a way that um, it's going to be leveraged a lot more for for business, right? You can kind of see it now how Instagram is transformed and how a lot of profits, how how in terms of like having new businesses join on, and kind of people are now individual brands, but. The brands are pretty much like people trying to sell you, whether it be an ebook or they're selling you a product, right? So I think that like the internet's going to evolve into that, where it's like people are going to be selling a lot more on the internet and using it as an economic tool. It's going to be a lot more commerce. Um, 
I think that the personal stuff will still be there, but I think that people will trust it less. I think that the way that um, also the way the the age of like all our data just being out there is is on the is is really being checked. So I think that has a has a huge huge effect. I mean, the new iOS they're they're giving you the option so Facebook can't collect all your data in certain ways, right? Um, or taking away the cookie. So I think that like with those transitions, like advertisements will change, and so like the way that we will feel like our data won't be breached. So people and people aren't going to trust it as much because before we were just like, we'll sign up for anything. And now because we've seen these companies, um, for lack of a better word, fail us in terms of privacy, people will be more skeptical, but they'll still use it as a tool. You know? Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I'm going to go the opposite. Well, opposite of Sergey, more along the lines of you, Fred. I think it's just getting started in five years. It'll be even worse, even like louder, even more all encompassing. Like I could see, I could see brands like, uh, take like having a person who like embodies, you know how you have like Disney Channel kids and stuff, right? Like, where's your Amazon dude? Like, hey, welcome to my Amazon Basic house, and like, this is what I'm doing all the time. I only promote Amazon products. <laughs> like, you know, they they like sell their um, their personal life to a corporation to like promote. <laughs> Yep. Maybe so. Yeah, it could it could very well go like the opposite way. Just yeah, hard turn. Just keep just down. keep going just darker and darker. Dark, not the darkest timeline yet. <sighs> yeah, I mean it, some of the stuff I'm hearing about how China is using their tech is uh just just like really disturbing, but um who knows? I mean, I think again, so much of it's cultural and kind of what we're willing to accept. I do think, you know, the fact that podcasts and stuff are are kind of rising still in popularity and you got certain platforms like, uh, you know, just clubhouse and, and, you know, even zoom and a lot of the video stuff, it seems like it's making a comeback. I, I don't think, you know, the, I don't think the platforms are quite as popular as they were. And I don't know. I mean, there could be, there could be a push towards more authentic experiences. I know for me personally, that's kind of what I'm going to invest my time and energy into. I think it's, it's for really sure. about making the platforms work for me rather than yeah. being a, so kind of caught up in in them, you know. So unwillingly participate in something they're not so thinking would, how it affects themselves. Yeah, yeah. I, I would. I definitely agree with that, Sergey. So I think that, like, with that, it's like there are going to be more platforms, right? So now you have more of a choice. It isn't like, hey, I just only have Facebook, Instagram, and because even like Instagram is really Facebook, right? So I think that, like, as they're trying to break up these monopolies, there'll be some more space for new innovation in the space, you know, because realistically it was a monopoly you like like anything that like was coming up in that time facebook just kind of bought right so there was no innovation and then snapchat kind of poked his head and now i think that like with clubhouse the way that we're interacting is a little bit more free rather than like it was just like hey like, this, this is just gonna be an acquisition before this gets too big sure. uh, it could still happen <laughs> Very true. Yeah. So, who knows? Uh, what was your third one, though? I was going to say, yeah. Uh, so the third, final one. Um, and I, as I was thinking about, it, there could be a fourth. But let's let's see this one first. The what are some of the things that you think we need, like skills, abilities? Like, what are some virtues, let's say, that are good that we need to develop that we've never done before as human beings? What's oh, new and what's good? I think <laughs> what's new and what's good. <laughs> Peter's, Peter will be the one-liner guy. I'll die. I'll die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's new and what's good? Uh, uh, what, I guess what needs to be. What's well, new and good? I think, I think what's happening right now, right, 
is that um, the country's demographics are changing. So I think that one thing that we have to acknowledge for it, for it to work in the future is the fact of like, okay, as we change this demographic, what, what does this country look like? And then like, and then accepting that. Right. So I think that like, and not actually having unity behind that, because if we're going to be in this constant fight, it's not going to make any sense because the country's shifting in the way that the people are. Right. I think that like people of mixed races increased like by like 30% of the last three to four years. Right. So it's like these, this is unprecedented time in terms of the demographics that are happening. Um, and so we have to kind of then look at that, like, Hey, as the world is changing, um, how are we approaching that and how are we building for the people that are in that world? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with you on that, but like the more, the more I travel, the more I think people are more similar than different. No, I agree with that, but I think it's, uh, there's still a, uh, globalization didn't work, right? It kind of just made us do resources, but it didn't make us like feel for our neighbors. Hmm. There's still, yeah, there's, there's some, something about it isn't quite working as intended. I don't know. I mean, like when France had that terrorist attack, mm. I knew someone in San Francisco who was from France and I just went over them like verge of tears being like, are you all right? Like, this is mm. terrible, you know? Yeah. Well, even like even this past summer, I mean, with the, the protests that that became a global movement, movement very quickly, yeah. right? In ways that that you know, I don't think we really have seen yeah. before, you know, yeah. just, but I think we have though. And I think that like, it's the consistent process. Like that's like, we can't acknowledge that. Like, okay, the summer was cool, but like the civil rights movement happened. <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? So I think that like, just cause there was a spark there. It's like that cons- consistent process needs to grow. Right. We were able to have like, we literally lived with the civil rights movement was like for like, okay, like a month. You know what I mean? But that was an actual time and an energy. And so I think now the game looks a lot different and the impact can be bigger, but we need to continue to grow it because like I said, the demographics are changing now, right? Like, that was, you know, like that whole thing, I think if it had been like outside of COVID would have been, would have, would have lasted longer. Mm. But like, I, you I, know. I also don't think that if they, if it wasn't COVID, people would have cared. Right, we had nowhere else to go. We had nothing else to do. I think like so so that it was aggravated it as well. I, yeah, I, I believe we're yeah. also kind of maybe all all more online and more tuned in. Yeah, versus everyone was yeah paying attention. So yeah, it, so it inflated. I mean, like because Trayvon had happened, right? Like um, Eric Garnett had happened. Like other people, Sandra Bland had happened, right? But George Floyd, like it was definitely it hit a note, right? It, it was the video was there, but at the same time we were all online. And so we couldn't ignore it, you know? Um, and I think that like that happens because who's mostly online, right? It's like, it's like younger people and younger people demographics are happening. And so it's like younger people of color that are outraged that are like now at of age that actually matter. Right. So then now this is like a different approach to it where before, if it was 1962, it would have been like, shit, like what else is there? Sure. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's also just, I think too, just the, the speed and the, the, the distance at which these stories and, and videos and, you know, just ideas can travel that affects the, it's, it's not just about, Oh, this, this is the same thing, but faster. I think the speed itself changes the movement and changes the, like the ability for it to kind of spread and for change to sort of happen um, culturally. But um, I don't know, I guess it's, it's, 
I, I, I do want to talk about this. Um, I think it's, it's a tough subject to cover um, because it's, there's, there's, I think there's a lot to it and I, I want to do it justice. Um, but I guess like, what were the, what do you think were some of the like biggest wins out of that, out of those protests and out of the, you know, that whole situation? I mean, was there, were there tangible sort of like this, this change, this past that kind of stood out to you? I would say that, um, this is my personal opinion. It was a good landmark. Hmm. It was a good, and unfortunately, right. Like, unfortunately, um, it showed that like, hey, like, you know, there's a voice there, right? And I think that like, there was a lot of change that people committed to that probably they, they aren't gonna really fulfill, but it, it stuck some people to the fire, right? And it, and it at least like drew a line in the sand, like, hey, like people are gonna react in a certain way when this happens. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, and like, I mean, for the George Floyd stuff, so I, I actually in Minneapolis saw that happen, that's where I live. Um, and like, I just thought it was ridiculous how long the protests had to happen before they would like charge the officers and like any sort of consequences would happen. Mm -hmm. I was just outraged about that whole process. It was like, there's literally an angry mob outside these people houses. Like if, if this was back in like the medieval ages, like you would have had mob justice, like, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like it was that close. Um, And two, I think it kind of tees off like, an angry mob can form quickly and it can form all over the U S and you know, this mob, I don't think got what it was looking for, hmm. but that doesn't mean in previous times in history, they, it hasn't. And I would say that like, I would always say like when we used words, we want to be honest, it wasn't even an angry mob. It was a hurt mob. There was anger for sure. Yeah, I felt angry about it. it. But felt when that, that anger manifested from being hurt, right? The primary, the yeah. primary actual feeling that the the, the injustice had, that existed came from a sad place, yeah. you know. And so I think that like it's kind of like that. Ang- that's the other thing is that like the riot is like you know what I mean. It's the people's crying out. The anger is for the people crying out because th- there's no reaction there, right? And like Sergey said, I think that like I know that it's Peter's like kind of like the fact that we were outraged on the on how long it took, but like we're in this time of like where things happen fast. So without that anger, without social media, with all of that stuff, it would have taken like triple the time. Or never. Or like, never. Exactly. Never. Yeah. Right. So it's like, that's, you know, I mean, it's like as society grows, I think, you know, justice does not fall evenly, but you know, so people have to like shine flashlights on injustice. Like they, like the R Kelly thing, no movement documentary. Boom. Like, you know, and it's just kind of sad that that's, that's kind of where we are. But that's like kind of the beauty of it too, right? Because we're building platforms that can like shine these lights, right? We're building these platforms that like, you know what, people that have never had a voice before, now they do have a voice, right? And then, then we can test it and then be like, oh, there's an actual community that grafts to this idea. Mm-hmm. Right. And then so because it was like with the R. Kelly thing, it was like, OK, like they put out this piece of content and then it was just like, oh, this is actually wait, like, wait, no, this. OK, like other people start coming around now. It's like, OK, like now we're building this space around like okay, the stop process where before we would have been limited on how to even distribute that, you know. Yeah. True. Yeah. Anyone can. There was there was another one about um, uh, Putin 
had some documentary of uh oh yeah his palace yeah it's putin's palace but that's what it was called right mm, something like that yeah um so yeah it's just like so many of the i mean if you just boil it down to like the distribution and you know just now also the ability to shoot edit high quality footage and distribute it you know you can do that on a reasonable budget um I think that that tool, it's like the printing press in a sense. Like Exactly. No, that, that's beautiful. Yeah. Like the new age yeah. printing press is at your fingertips. For sure. You know, and so it's like, it's crazy to see that because once you get that community around it, now you have a movement. And that's what like really the way George Floyd kind of happened was like, boom, that happens. But then we also see that in for, for different arenas. And so that's something that with social media, like we got to be careful on what we bite sometimes because then the society kind of goes in that direction. Sure. Yeah. It's, um, it's crazy. I mean, the, the, the impact, of a good piece of content, you know, and I mean, good in the sense of like powerful piece of content, something that's, that resonates and has a, a profound message is it's, it's really amazing. Like, I mean, just even the movie we watched last night, Peter, um, promising young woman, promising young woman. Have you seen it, Fred? No, I haven't. Just came, out. just came out, I think it was December or something. Um, and it's, yeah, just really, really powerful, really difficult and, and very dark at times. But they, they took a really great perspective on the Me Too movement mm-hmm. um, in a way that I don't think has ever been highlighted before. Okay. I mean, Me Too and, and just also like so much more broadly, just sexual assault and, and sort of, um, I don't know, I guess it's it's hard to even like kind of wrap it you know, nicely and, and sort of say what exactly it was about, but it's what I think it, it gave was just a very, um, honest, very honest, very artfully done perspective on, on an important issue. And I think that's, that's also the power of content and, uh, sharing, sharing perspectives. Cause now you have so many more voices that can add to that. Um, but there's also so much more noise too, that can kind of drown it out, which is mm-hmm. maybe the flip side of of social media right there's so much there's so much going on that a lot of it's like just it's just anger or hurt or stuff flashing out but it's not um being channeled into to a constructive sort of like change or evolution i guess as you like to call it absolutely bro it's um you gotta take the good with the bad right i think i I had a good friend of mine that said you gotta take the meat with the bones (laughs) <laughs> you know <laughs> and so it's, it's like <laughs> you know um it's that sure. constant filtering of it because it, it's going to it's going to be testing us it's gonna the same thing that allows something trash to go viral is like the same energy that allows a story like george floyd to like show some injustice and really get some real change or, or getting the people the people's mindset in that direction um sure. So to go back to the main point, I think social media can go in a lot of different ways. But one thing for sure, I don't think it's like it. I don't think it's going to slow down, in my opinion, from this conversation, because it's just like the its ability to now affect us is at an all time high. But also in terms of like mm-hmm. going so many directions, you know. Sure. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, ties kind of into those questions and why I asked them of, you know, what are the things that we need to kind of keep you know, watering and helping flourish. And what are the things that we need to kind of let fall away, you know, from kind of our old, old ways. And, you know, cause I think there's a lot of things in a lot of ways, like being the tomorrow people, it comes down to like our, our humanity and what it means to be human. Um, 
but there's also there's a lot of like ugliness to that i think too and and it's mixed in and you got the good with the bad and i think the areas where we can leave stuff behind or or sort of maybe not go down those dark paths and you know use technology more intentionally versus you know there's there's a lot of ways you can use technology which ways do we want to choose to use it um going forward and and what are the new things that maybe we don't do that we want to like try and develop um what's good what's bad yeah what haven't we done what's new what's old yeah i think like you know you could do you do like a square right you know for two two by two square new (laughs) old good bad um just a sense of it you know i think it's yeah but i think that's like that's where you should go if like you're thinking about companies in the future um if you're thinking about like what you want to pursue where you want to dedicate your time how you want to raise your child, right? Because I think that's very important in like doing that type of work. Um, it's really just like know? living and being thoughtful and having doing things with meaning. Like understand why you're doing things. Understand what what that effect has on you and others. And you know, yeah, I, I think just being thoughtful about how you live your life. And, and Peter, the crazy part is, bro, that was you said that so beautifully. Right. And it, and it, because it sounded so simple. Mm-hmm. It sounded like when you said it, I said, yeah, hell yeah. This is what the hell we supposed to be doing. Like, no, <laughs> bro, like, yeah. But it's like, it's not, man. Like there are a lot of people that like their own trauma is blocking them from being able to do that. There well, are lots of people that are like stuck in survival mode. They're stuck to do that. So it's like yeah. this weird space of life where it's just like, I want to do that. But like if my ego gets stuck or my past traumas get in the way, then like I can't even get to that place. And then it's like, damn, I, I, I want to do exactly just the way you said it because it was so beautiful. And I was like, yes, that is it. <laughs> you know? Thank you. Yeah. Um, That's why I love what you were doing with the Flourish Factory. I mean, just the, where you guys were living, right? It's it's having that space and having those like conversations and community, right? It's, it's a, you know, it's a melting pot, right? You're trying to put in the right ingredients and, um, you know, make, make sure you're cooking something that's good and, and healthy and tastes, tastes good, you know, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think meat and bones, take, take the meat, take the meat, throw out the bones. That's true. Some bones sometimes increase the flavor. <laughs> you know, <laughs> gotta go through a little bad to appreciate the good. True. Yeah, Cause I think it's like, it's, it's in that process by, but that's the vision, right? Like, Hey, like we're going to consistently chase the good out of this. Cause I think, they always enjoy the process. For a long time, I hated that term. I was like, "This process always feels like it sucks." I'm, I want the, I want the reward, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm doing, I'll, I'll sit and eat this, but I want the reward, you know. But when Where's you realize the- like you're going to take the meat and leave the bones, it's kind of one of those things. That, like you have to, in every moment, in any part of this, like you have to kind of seek that out because if not, then it's, yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah, it's, uh, it, you don't. I mean, if you have a dopamine drip. <laughs> like yeah. it, it's ultimately devastating and you know you won't really understand how like that could be so good if you never didn't have it like a lot of people i think who worked at google kind of feel that who come straight out of college and stuff at least most people i've talked to hmm. like if they work first at google they start complaining about the silliest things like oh the food today wasn't so great yeah. you know? it's like you're still getting free food at work like you have all these perks like you know, like a lot of people will never experience this, but you just, you just don't know that like it is a good environment. Yeah. yeah you don't know. I mean, it's, that's perspective and gratitude and so much stuff, right? It's, it's, um, you know, and I, I, I want to do like a, like a whole video or something on that. Like just, just like, you know, virtues again, that we can kind of like 
build and cultivate. Like we've always, I mean, gratitude's always been a thing, but I think it's, or, or, um, you know, perspective, but something that, yeah, we want to like continue doing and continue kind of like growing within whatever communities we're a part of. Absolutely. I would say that to, um, there are two things I'd like to add to that conversation. One, uh, one thing I learned a very long time was the fastest way to happiness is to be grateful. Right. So there's gratitude within that. So it's like a lot of us, because we're not being grateful, we're chasing that perfect thing. We're actually making ourselves sick and sad because we're not just being grateful. The second thing is that if you check, if you guys watch that Jordan documentary that was out, right, there win all these championships, but there were still bad days. There were still a bunch of things that were happening in the background. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like you you got to be grateful for the championships. But it's like, you know, like there was still like they hated the general manager. There were still all these things that came that like I bet when they were in it, they were not grateful for. But it was still part of the process. And I think that like it's that balance of like being grateful for it, but recognizing that like it's going to be ugly. Growth is growth hurts. It's painful. And so like you have to accept that also with it. You have to take that bone. You know, can I give you a, a potential uh uh, pro tip on the gratefulness. Yeah. Hmm. So I think the easiest way to feel grateful about your situation is from helping others hmm. because you might take something for granted, but someone else could be so appreciative of, you know, you helping them in that aspect hmm. um, that then you realize how fortunate you are to have whatever, you know, that thing is. I mean, hmm. that's, there's actually, I forget which, language it is in or a culture but there's a saying that like you're not feeling good go help somebody <laughs> you're gonna feel better after that mm. so sure Love that. that is a pro tip right there so whoever's listening that's the takeaway okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, well i like specifics so any any kind of ways you guys like like helping people or or because ideally it's also something that you enjoy doing too right because then you'll do more of it i i you know just start anywhere mm. like help a friend, help a relative, help a stranger, hmm. you know, volunteer time, like whatever you want to do it, it hmm. all, it all builds. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think, I think for me, it's, um, I'm, I, I want to help in ways that I, I, I had this thing where I wanted to be a helper too much. Right. And I get in my space, I get into spaces where people didn't want my help or it was like, um, you know, I was, I wasn't actually helping, you know? So as I've been able to help and find that joy, it's been more of like just extending it, being like, hey, the line I always use with a lot of people is if I can help, I will. Right. And so like extending that to help, whether it be like, hey, like I need you to help me move my couch, like he says, or it's just like, hey, someone needs just to have a conversation um, or like financial helping with like an institution or an organization. You know, it's just kind of those things that like, hey, like you figure out the ways that you can help and be and be thoughtful about that. I think that that energy comes to you. So that, that's how I do it. And I try to be like, hey, like, I don't just want to help. I want to help the problem that like in, in the way that that person wants it. Um, because I can come and help solve your problems, but it doesn't work. Right. So to, I want to be truly helpful, you know, for sure. Yeah. I think there's, um, something we said about like really trying to help versus also just, just only, only kind of doing what you think is best. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's that balance of like, um, you know, you don't want to project too much of like, Oh, I think you have this X, Y, Z problem. Um, you know, let me, let me help you with those. Right. Um, my, my, my Gosh, cousin, um, can go poorly quickly. Right. Yeah. My, well, you have my, cognitive issues. I can tell. No, I don't. <laughs> what? Just, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my cousin had a good quote about like comparing people to trees. It was, um, 
that trees, you know, you don't really question why a tree is maybe like bent or kind of misshapen or, or maybe like stunted. You're just like, you kind of get why it just didn't get enough water, had too much shape while it was growing. Where are you going here? <laughs> well, with people, we don't, we, we kind of forget that we, we kind of go, Hey, you got all these issues, like fix them. Sure. Like whatever. We don't just like accept, um, kind of like what the, what the kind of underlying causes might've been. How would you feel like we can change people more? Yeah. You don't look at a tree branch and be like, Oh, I'll straighten like, that tree branch out. Yeah. Like, like that's happen. a stupid tree. Like, why is it, sh- why is it all misshapen and, you know, right. bent up? But you know, you know what like, that is, and Peter, you know what that is, right? When you said like, we think we can fix people more, right? Mm-hmm. Ego. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It all comes back to those couple things. But right? like, yeah, I do. I mean, like the tomorrow people are, you know, flourishing. Like you do, right? If you didn't, there has to be some aspect of, of change, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. you can't just let it all go. No, no, absolutely not. You can't let it all go, but it's also like, is that thing, are you prepared? Are, one, are you prepared to actually do this, right? Because even if a tree, you know, like with trees, they lean, right? Some trees lean because like they they grow by a building, right? Yeah. And so like you can actually like go out there like to actually fix the tree if you want, <laughs> right? But you got to like assess that. And also you got to understand like, is there room for this tree to grow in a healthy manner? I think that's what people, right? We just think that like, we want to give our input, mm-hmm, walk away, right? And it's like, no, like, you can't. Like, if you're going to, this is yeah. deep trauma this person has. Are you going to go for the ride with them? You know? Yeah. You're really going to sure. commit to this. Are you just going to poke project? You're just going to prod it and kind of maybe make it worse. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, and that's where like, you, cause you know, the big word is you trigger people, right? So it's like, you just gonna trigger this person all over and then like, and then what? Right. Yeah, um, I mean, like long-term mentoring, like where's the platform for that? You know, why is that not a thing? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, I think there's, there's certain limitations too, to all these, all these platforms, right? Like we, we, you know, in-person stuff is impossible right now, impossible right now, but it's also very powerful when it is possible, right? Yeah. Versus, you know, seeing everything through a screen, which um, I think is, is a good perspective that this, this whole lockdown situation has sort of shown people, but at the same time, there's, there's a lot of, a lot to be said about, you know, we haven't like a lot of just, and it's, and this literally even comes down to like the layer of like the UI or the back end or the engineering side of things and the design side of, of, you know, does this, does this app feel good to use? Does this website look good and is it clean or is it cluttered? Um, that's, that's the actual interface that we have between each other, right? These, these portals, right? I mean, we're using one right now <laughs> because it's easy to use and, and it's enjoyable versus if it was super complex, there's there's more of a barrier to to having this podcast or just having this conversation. I mean, one of the things Peter and I've been talking about always after the podcast is that was just a really good conversation. It doesn't matter how many tens or hundreds or millions of people ever end up listening to it. It's it's more just that this conversation has happened. Now for this past two hours, this is time that I don't regret at all. For me personally. Yeah. You know. Me neither. Me neither. And I think it goes back to it sounds like you guys are enjoying the process. You I live for aren't like thinking about <laughs> that end result, right? You guys are like, we need to go viral tomorrow. It's like, no, like this is it's a really good conversations. Like, so when people come and listen to it, it's like, oh, these guys just produce really good conversations. So I want to stay down. I want to be part of the community. You know, sure. I say keep going. And I think this is this has the makings of flourishing because you are of that mindset. Oh, cool. 
Well, appreciate that yeah. amazing positive feedback. <laughs> so we, we are nearing the two hour mark. So uh, I don't know. Is there any final thoughts? Yeah. Like closing stuff any, or where can they find, you know, what <laughs> yeah, so if people want to follow um, what's going on with the Flourish Factory, um, little timeline right now, just kind of working on the MVP at this point, um, call myself the CEO, the chief evangelist officer right now, right? So just kind of <laughs> doing the opportunities like this to tell about the product and kind of the thought process behind it. So if you're looking to figure out what's happening with us, follow the Instagram page, The Flourish Factory. Um, and then you can also find us on our website at www.theflourishfactory.com. Or you can follow me um, at Fred Diddy on Instagram and just kind of consistently be part of the Flourish family, man. Um, that's what we're asking for right now. I'm just looking to build community, doing things like this, um, and like just continue to spread the the words of being flourishing and just growth and just being healthy about it. So, uh, fellas, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is a great way to spend a Saturday. Um, you know, this is a great way to like just learn from other people and also share my own stuff. So thank you. Yeah, Fred, thank you so much. Your point of view is uh, just amazing, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. Glad Peter got to uh, experience one of our kind of conversations, right? And, and <laughs> down all the rabbit holes and stuff, but um, you know, always, always a pleasure, man. And uh, hopefully, we'll have you on, you know, some other time in the future. Maybe when uh, Flourish Factor is a little further along, we we'll get to do another check in and see see how the progress, how is the going. flourishing's going, how the flourishing goes. That's what I'm doing. See, see, I, li- I like that. You guys are hitting notes there. We we gonna keep that. I'm I, I'm gonna need this soundbite. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Cool, man. All right. Let's uh, wrap it up. Later.